This is a No Land in Sight podcast production. Welcome to Is That Movie Still Good? The podcast where we take a movie from the past, give it a thorough rewatching, and answer the question, Is That Movie Still Good? I'm Jim Nolan, and along with Nate Grushon, today we're going to metaphorically go down to the basement, grab that box of fireworks that's been sitting there for two years, strike up our Zippo, and see if it'll light. We have fireworks today for sure. This week's movie, 1981's The Cannonball Run. So, buckle your seatbelts and get ready for some fun. Here we go on Is That Movie Still Good? All right, let's do this. Here we go. Uh, welcome back to Is That Movie Still Good? Today, we're doing The Cannonball Run from 1981. And quickly, before we get into this, I just want to thank everybody who's listened so far and share with you guys that we're up on a couple of different platforms now. We are on Stitcher, we are on TuneIn, we are on Google Play Music, and we should be on Apple uh, iTunes by the time this is published. So thanks for listening, and check us out. Now, Cannonball Run. Part one. Part one. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Nate, so uh, tell me what you remember about this one from 1981. Uh, What I remember... I remember a lot about this movie, and uh, let me ask you though: When do you think the last time you saw this movie was? Uh, Mid eighties. Um, this movie, to me, always will signify that time in my life when I was young. And you know, my parents didn't have HBO; we didn't spend money on that. But you always knew some kid that did. You know, he was the kid in your neighborhood that had a cool bike. Maybe he was riding a mongoose while you know you were riding a Murray or a Huffy. Dad, mom have a little bit more money, a little more cosmopolitan. Maybe dad's on his third wife, whatever. You go over and hang out, and it's always on HBO. Or you get the free HBO weekend, and you're like, yes, Cannonball Run. And so I, I watch it a dozen times in like an 18-month window, and yeah. nonsense. Yeah, exactly. That's that's exactly my experience. And we did actually have HBO. Now, we didn't have a remote control. We'd still have to, you know, dad would make us like go up and you know change it to Channel 22 or whatever HBO was at the time. But we did have HBO, and so you're exactly correct. This was one of those movies that right when that at-home movie channel started up, that it was just all over the place, all the time. And then, of course, it went into, you know, your Saturday afternoon TBS when they started doing movies. So lots of exposure in the 80s, but then it just kind of fell off the map, and you didn't see it anymore and uh, for years, and really don't see it much anymore today. No, it was this thing that I always lumped it into the pot with all those other Burt Reynolds movies like Smokey and the Bandit, and, and they all kind of went hand in hand. Smokey and the Bandit lives on, and Cannonball Run is just this thing we talk about, but nobody's seen. Which I think is a shame, because I actually prefer Cannonball Run over Smokey and the Bandit. Yeah? Okay. <laughs> the parts of it, we'll, we'll get into more detail, but it, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a goofy movie right from the get-go. You know, it's a 20th Century Fox movie, and right from the intro, and I, and I remember this on the rewatch. Yeah, yeah, you got the big 20th Century logo, and you got the cars spinning around yep, in it, yep. and the chasing, and it's just silly, stupid, right from the launch. Yes. And, yes. Then, you go, and then you go right into Burt Reynolds, mm-hmm. who at this time is, I, would you consider this his peak? He was the biggest movie star in the world at this point. And this movie kind of goes to show that. This movie originally was supposed to be an action film starring Steve McQueen. Right. And then Steve McQueen died, and Burt Reynolds took it. Burt Reynolds got $5 million for this film, and he was the highest paid actor at the time. Yeah, Brock Yates wrote it, and you're right. He, he wrote it with Steve McQueen in mind, and 
can you even imagine this as a Steve McQueen movie? Completely different movie. Totally different. Yeah, and Brock Yates, he's like a, kind of one of those like uh, gearhead, mm-hmm. mostly did like automotive magazine writing and stuff like that. But he put this uh, story, the screenplay together, and they pulled in um, the director from Smokey and the Bandit. Hal Needham. Yeah, Hal Needham, who, who actually has a pretty good like little track record. Now, granted, most of them are Burt Reynolds movies, you know, the Smokey movies, Hooper, Stroker Ace. Yeah. Now, but now there there is a movie that isn't a Burt Reynolds movie that that Hal directed that actually is a, a one of my favorite movies. Did you ever see the 1979 Villain? Yes. With the yes. Uh, kind of Western spoof. I remember yeah. my grandpa uh, had us watch that as kids and real young Arnold Schwarzenegger was yes. in that movie. Mm-hmm. So you, you think about the, the the people that staged this movie, the, the screenwriter, the director, you know, you have a car guy that wrote the movie. You have a stuntman because that's what the, the director was, you know, more of a career stuntman directing it. And so you th- that could have been a really cool Steve McQueen movie. It could have been amazing. <laughs> and you know, Hal Needham, this uh, Cannonball Run was based upon a real race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the and, Cannonball and, uh, Baker Sea the Surrounding Sea. Right. And yeah. Hal Needham raced in it. Yeah. And and the, uh, the the ambulance that Burt Reynolds and Dom DeLuise used was the actual vehicle that Hal Needham used when he ran in that race. Now, he had souped that thing up, had a Hemi in it. It held 90 gallons of gas. He had four holes for, you know, the the spouts to go in to fill it up quickly. And then uh, he blew a, a gasket or something, you yeah. know, and, and, and oh. didn't finish. But it's, it, yeah. So it, it could have been Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Yeah. But it ends up Cannonball Run. Right, right. <laughs> and, and, and what makes this movie great is, so so right, right, as it gets start, right, right as it gets started, you got Dom DeLuise, number one. And, and so what do you think of Dom DeLuise? So I love Dom DeLuise. I always loved Dom DeLuise. And when I watched this this time around, I thought, Dom DeLuise. Still good. Still good. Still good. And not that fat. As a middle-aged dude, he's... I remembered him being this massive dude. He's heavy. He's overweight. He's not John Candy, though. No, he's not not John Goodman. He's just... uh, yeah, you know, a, a big guy. Yeah. yeah. Now, is he slightly effeminate, or is that just me? No, he's a little bit, and and the hat doesn't help. The, the, <laughs> That's the, true. The, the 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 hat that he wears. Well, it's probably pretty groundbreaking though for like to have yeah. kind of that effeminate comedian role back then. He, he didn't know he was doing it, right? I, I, and then, but it, it's just very kind of interesting. You have him, and and I think that it was why him and Burt Reynolds worked so well together in a lot of different movies because you know Burt Reynolds was macho. He yes. was the epitome of macho man, and then he had his like sidekick that was. A little chubby, not fat. Right. Slightly effeminate, um, kind of uh, self-loathing. Mm-hmm. You know, so that dynamic works very well. Yes, and I was watching this and thinking, because I know that in real life, Burt Reynolds and Dom DeLuise were very close friends, and they mm-hmm. hung out and they did things together. It had to be weird. Like, how did that work when Burt Reynolds and Dom DeLuise just went to Vegas for the weekend, right? <laughs> I mean, like, you could imagine George Clooney and Brad Pitt palling around, but but they're so opposite. Like you said, like, those two dudes in real life, how's that working out? Like, I, I don't know. It would have been fun, though. It I, would have been. I, 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 I think it would be pretty fun been. to hang out with them. So, so, so the whole concept of this movie, if you've never seen it before, it, you know, it's this cross-country race. Uh, I think it starts in New Jersey, and it's going to go to California. And it's, you know, different type of cars, different types of racers. But typically, that's uh, um, two people that are together to race. So you got the, the whole Burt Reynolds, Dom DeLuise. But then our, our first introduction to another set of racers is Dean Martin and Sammy Davis right, Jr. Right, right. And I, you know, I love Sammy Davis Jr. And quick plug for another podcast. If you um, 
like Sammy Davis Jr. Malcolm Gladwell does a great podcast called Revisionist History. I recommend every episode, but there's one that he does about Sammy Davis personally called The Hug Heard Around the World. Listen to it. It's awesome. But Sammy and, and Dean are priests and allegedly well, and it priests. Starts, and it gets even better that it starts out oh, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 with, with Sammy talking to Jimmy the with Greek. With the Greek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Greek. That's right. Yeah. And how, how, how soon after this did the Greek get like his – I mean, and if you don't know who Jimmy the Greek was – he was a like a very famous sportscaster. You know, he was a bookmaker. He was an odds maker. Yeah. And they brought him in on, on CBS, the NFL Today, in what was probably fairly groundbreaking at the time. Right. In the 80s, he's hanging out with Brent Musburger telling you that, that the Rams are going to cover the three and a half against the Chargers. Right. And people would take his advice and, and win some money and have some fun betting on the NFL. And but, but a year or two after this, probably he said something. He, very inflammatory yeah. thing. Very racial about yeah. athletes. And, and, and career was over. And yes. He, he might have been one of the first casualties of that kind of an I, I don't want to minimize it, so please don't take it that way. But casualties of like saying something offensive and career over, done. Right, right. Yeah, no, I don't really remember anybody prior to that. That's a great point. Yeah. So, so then the, D, Dean Martin comes in, and so Dean and Sammy they're talking to, to Jimmy the Greek, and, I, and this can't be the first time that this line was ever used in a movie. But you know, as you mentioned, they were dressed as priests, and they were Jimmy the Greek was questioning their ability to win the race, and Sammy looks at him. He goes, "God is our co-pilot." Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, which means right. you heard that line over and over again. It's kind of cliche, and I, I, I meant to research if that had been used before. I never got around to it, but if that really was the, uh, the origin of the "God is our co-pilot" line, I mean, I think that gives Cannibal Run an extra star. Yeah, absolutely, right there. And, and bonus for Sammy, bonus for the movie, the whole deal. Yeah. Uh, so, so then, then we get this like absurdity for about twenty minutes or so in the front in the in the beginning of the movie. Because Burt Reynolds is flying a plane. With his Budweiser. With, With his, his Budweiser. Budweiser. And they run out of beer. Yeah. <laughs> which sets the stage for this whole movie, which is, you know, this movie is about a race across the country, 24-7, no stops. And I'm pretty sure 50 to 75% of the drivers are drunk the whole time. Absolutely. <laughs> and Absolutely. nobody says anything. We'll get more into that later, but it's just kind of a sign of the times when this movie was made. But but they run out of beer, so Burt Reynolds actually lands his plane on the middle of the street. Dom DeLuise jumps out, runs into a convenience store, grabs a six-pack, buys it, runs back in, they take the plane back off. And just the absurdity is hilarious. Yeah, it, it is. You know, I was watching that, and I, I remembered loving this movie. And as I'm watching it, all of this stuff is going on in the first ten minutes of the film, and I, I just thought, I do not believe my eyes. I cannot believe what I'm watching right now. Yeah, it, it, it's great. And it gets even better because and I'm going to skip ahead a couple of scenes and maybe come back to it. But probably about 10 minutes later, Burt Reynolds and Don Deluise are in a boat. <laughs> so so they've driven a car already. They've flown a plane. They've been in a boat. They've been drinking pretty much the whole time. And they're getting ready to go on this big race. And it's just, you know, planes, trains, and automobiles type thing. So I, I, I don't know what the point of all that was other than just really just setting the stage for, hey, you know, we're not taking ourselves too seriously yeah, this is just going to be a fun movie. Absolutely. And that's a great point because as I watched it, I did not remember how much of the film was dedicated to the setup. And it's probably 60%. Did you probably only have 40% of the movie of the actual race itself? And that was kind of one of those things where 
as I was watching, I was like, this could have been actually even better if, you know, we're, we're, we're driving across country. You know, how do they not have Terry Bradshaw drive through the Astrodome or something like right, that? You exactly. Know? And, but, but in researching it too, this film, movie was filmed in 36 days. Wow. Only wow. a month. So obviously there was no location business going on. It was all yeah. Southern California. But it's crazy because they still spent $18 million yeah, filming yeah, yeah. this movie. Yeah, yeah, they, they, yeah. they made 72, so they four times their profit. So that's a good return for the production production team. But still, you know, $33 million in, a, in, a, in a little over a month. That's a... It was, it, my guess is it was on after filming parties. Right, right, <laughs> that's right, that's, right, that's right. where the, a lot of that budget went to. And also during this kind of beginning scene, we, we get Roger Moore. I love it. I love <laughs> it so much. I had forgotten. At, at the peak of his James Bond essence. Yes, yes. And he and I, I love it because he was this guy who – he was the first James Bond I watched because he was starring at that time. But everybody has always just sort of put him down a little bit. He's not Sean Connery. And here he is just kind of making fun of himself and the whole James Bond character by thinking he's a spy, by thinking right. he's... he's yeah, uh, he spoofs himself the whole the time. Whole time. Yeah. It, it's maybe the best character in the movie. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I would agree with that. Uh, and and they, they do a lot of spoof on, on other types of movies. I think at some point when Burt Reynolds and Dom DeLuise are trying to figure out what kind of car, Burt right. Reynolds makes a comment about... Somebody says, I get trained in. Ah, it's been done. been done before. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's, yeah, the, it's, the setup is good. Uh, then you start getting some of these other teams. And, and I didn't remember this. And of course, you know, he didn't become famous until a few years later. But you get introduced to the Japanese guys. Right. And one of them right. is Jackie, Jackie Chan. Chan. And, and they, they have a pretty cool car. And I remember that car. And I, I want to talk a little bit more about it later. But then you got Jamie Farr coming in as a sheik. <laughs> you know, Jamie Farr from MASH. Uh, Klinger. Yeah. Klinger? He was Corporal Klinger. Yeah, yes. Corporal Klinger. Yes. Jamie Farr, probably the worst character in this movie, don't you think? Like Of he, the ones I recognize. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just. Because there was the rich guy that comes up next that rides his motorcycle out of the back of the plane. Okay, right. That's Burt Convy. I want to get into this for a second. Okay. How the hell did Burt Convy become famous? Like, what's he famous for other than being a game show host? I, think I know he's in some shit. That's it, right? He's a good looking man, game show host, and so he's in Cannonball Run. Now, if you're picking a game show host for this movie in 1981, do you think Burt Convy's the right guy? Because I think the answer is crystal clear. I think. Richard Dawson is the game show host that should have been in the Cannonball. Oh role. yeah, well, and he had good acting experience too. He yeah, Hogan's Heroes, and yeah, and he, and, he, he would have been more recognizable for sure. Yeah, well, and I think that you could have just played up some caricature of him, whether it's being a ladies' man or you know smoking cigarettes and, and drinking or whatever. But Burt Convy is a stuntman jumping out of a plane on a motorcycle. It, it, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah. No, he's no. supposed to be some rich businessman. Yeah, I don't get all that. And then we get Terry Bradshaw and Mel Tillis. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, which I find it kind of funny that at this point in 2018, probably the most recognizable person from now that's in that movie is Terry Bradshaw. Right, right, right. Uh, or Jackie Chan, one of the two. Yeah, that's right. Kids would know those two guys. Right. And right. I think everybody else is pretty much dead. Yeah, well, everybody else is dead. I was, I, I, when I was watching this, I thought a fun game to play would be like, okay, for the podcast, I'm going to play a game with Nate. It's going to be living or dead. Except everybody's dead, <laughs> everybody's except dead. for Jamie Farr. So if oh, you hear... Oh, Jamie still alive? Yeah, Jamie Farr's still alive. Okay. 82 years old. Okay. So if you hear like the sound of liquid, that's just me pouring one out the whole podcast for all these brothers <laughs> now quick back to terry and mel they almost got a show on abc out of this deal yeah their chemistry was so good an executive at abc pitched a pilot for a sitcom with them and uh, something happened right at the very end and it didn't happen well uh, and this was them. right at the end of bradshaw's career yes. too, because i think he ended maybe 82 something like that and you know dukes of hazard were big so I mean, sure and, that, and that's really that this whole time frame that 
you know, buddy, car, you know, because you had, when you, when you look at what else was going on in TV and movies at the time, you know, you had Indiana Jones and the Star Wars and the big blockbuster type stuff going on. You had, you know, Stallone with Rocky 3 or 4. Right, right. right. First Blood was Rambo, coming around then, right. yeah. Rambo came out in 83, I think. You know, so you, you did, and you still had Pacino and De Niro and all those normal guys doing stuff, but this was just kind of that fun escape movie. Yes, yes. And, and I don't know what to compare that to now. Um, I, I, I've never seen any of the Fast and the Furious. Are they like that? They seem a little bit more intense. I, yeah, it is. So two things about this, and, and I don't think there's anything like this now where you're you're seeing car chases, car crashes, car jumps. We don't. I mean, you know, there's one the scene where they jump over a train car. Yeah. Like, you just don't see that anymore. And but to your point about what's the closest thing, like I think it's probably the Ocean's Eleven movies, and not because of the car situation, but because of just all the celebrity right. star power and. Uh, we're just going to have all these recognizable faces in here in a movie that's just purely escapism. Right, exactly. And then our, our next set of uh, racers are the two Lamborghini girls. And I, right. I, I couldn't tell you either one of their names. Adrian Barbeau is one of them, and yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. think either one of them had any, any, any career, but they, they stand out. And, and so the night before the race starts, they're all staying at the, the same hotel. Mm-hmm. They're all, and they're, all, of course, already getting drunk. Because <laughs> that's just kind of how this whole movie is. And they're all at the hotel. They're all getting drunk. And uh, and and we're and we, we got our first look at Farrah Fawcett. Yeah, and and Farrah Fawcett, I mean, she's late seventies. This is after Charlie's Angels. Mm-hmm. This is after Six Million Dollar Man. Uh, but you know, she never was a big movie star, but very successful TV right. actress. I mean, multiple Emmy nominations, multiple Golden Globe nominations. She did a lot of serious TV acting later on in yes, her career, both yes. in shows and a lot of TV movies. Right, a lot of a lot of made for TV movies. Right, you know, right. the Burning Bed and yeah, exactly. And um, and she's just you know really kind of sweet and innocent, and she's not there for the race. No, no. She's what a photographer, or yeah, a tree hugger, or something yeah, like yeah. That? There's some kind of a, a uh, environmental rally or something that she's involved in. Yeah, and she's talking to um, a guy named Arthur Foyt's character. Right, it's right. played by George Firth. And for some reason, and of course, we don't get a lot of background because this plot's pretty paper thin. <laughs> but but he's wanting to stop this race. He's just right. adamant. This race cannot go on. It's unsafe. <laughs> and and he's going to do everything he can to stop the race. And it's and it's that typical kind of nineteen eighties comedy, seventies comedy bumbling idiot character. Yes, the the, the bumbling idiot villain. And right. Uh, yeah, total antagonist that like can't do anything right. Total and a caricature like of, right. of just anger at, at all the handsome good guys that we're all pulling for. Right, exactly, exactly. So my my favorite, I think this might be my favorite part of the movie, or one of my favorite parts of the movie. So the next day, they're getting ready to start the race. And they have this system where you get like a check-in car, like you're, you clock in and at work, and they yes. go clock in at their car. And Bradshaw, Terry Bradshaw, Mel Tillis, before they start, they literally, and I'm not using that word wrong, they literally fill their backseat up from top to bottom <laughs> with cases of Budweiser. Yeah, that's right. And, as and there was some concern that it might not be enough. Right. And as they're, as they're clocking out to pull out of the race, they both got, you know, beer in hand. Yeah, yeah. Then after that... You have, I think it's Sammy and, and, and uh, Dean Martin come up. And, of course, you know, they're a little bit more classier, but oh, they yeah. must still have their cocktails. <laughs> That's right. And, yeah, they got their bourbons. They got their whiskeys. And I think Roger Moore's 
He's, he's, got, he's, he's got a martini as he's rolling. <laughs> and, and they all start taking off on this race. And I, and I think you mentioned earlier, you know, in the in the, the real race that the, the screenplay was based off of, that the director had used an ambulance. And that's what Burt yeah. Reynolds and Don DeLuise, they end up getting an ambulance. But the, but they, they have to, like, make this, uh, they have to stage it right. So they feel like they need a doctor, doctor. and a mm-hmm. patient. Mm-hmm. And so for the doctor, they find Jack Elam's, and if you don't know who Jack Elam is, Google him and you'll recognize him. He's one of those kind of older, kind of scary looking guys. Very long history in like Western movies. Yeah, um, you know, uh, probably one of those kind of career uh, supporting actor, character actor type people. And so they get him to be the doctor. And I just found this ironic based on the, the work that you and I have been doing. His name is Dr. Nicholas, Nicholas Van, Van Helsing. Helsing. Yeah. So that's two weeks in a row with Van, Van Helsing. Helsing. Also, um, I had uh, have gotten a couple of comments about how are we going to continue to work in uh, Juliet Lewis and um, uh, Anthony Hopkins in the podcast. So if there was a part in this film for Anthony Hopkins, it was Dr. Uh, Nicholas Van Helsing. Oh, absolutely. It, had he been working then, that would have been his part. Yeah, I don't know what he was doing back then, but uh, I think he could have pulled it off. But, you know, it's uh, really good. And, and they decide they need a, a patient, so they they kidnap <laughs> Farrah Fawcett. Right. Because, you know, anything kind of goes in the cannonball run. There's, <laughs> there's no accountability. No. And, and then they start off on the race going across country, and, and, you know, the antics begin to ensue. Also, so quickly back to this Dr. Van Helsing, who is it, – it, a lot of it's just cringy, but – you know, another staple from that era of movies and TV and comedy was the proctologist joke. And they've got a proctologist joke in there. Like, when did that end? When was, when, what was the, what was the cutoff for proctologist jokes? Because I haven't heard one in a long time. I've been in the medical profession for 25 years. I've never met a proctologist. I've never spoken to one. Like, yeah, I think it's probably when that cancer started spreading a lot more. Maybe so. <laughs> you know, I mean, when, when prostate cancer started getting kind of bad, you, you yeah. kind of the, the proctology commercial or I guess so. The jokes kind of go, yeah, yeah, not quite as not quite as funny when you know somebody. Yeah, yeah, right, right. But I mean, but they joke on everything. I mean, even going back to you know some of those earlier scenes with with Sammy Davis Jr. and Dean Martin and Jimmy the Greek. Between the Arab, between the black Jewish priest and Sammy Davis Jr., mm-hmm. constant undertones of, of racism that you could not make this movie today. I think that's right. I think that's right. And quickly back to the Sammy Davis and Dean Martin. Um, Don Rickles was actually initially uh, tabbed to be Sammy's character. And I think it's so much better with the black priest Sammy Davis Jr. Like Don Rickles would have been funny yeah. and there would have been a lot of insults, but – I feel really good about uh, Sammy Davis in that part. Well, because what it did is it kind of created some iconic pairs. Because obviously Bert and Don had done some things together. Sure. And I mean, Sammy and Dean, I mean, they're yes. in the rep pack together. Terry Bradshaw and Mel Tillis, I think they might have put a song out before this or done some country mm-hmm. music work together. And Roger Moore with a different woman in the car every time you see him. <laughs> right. Just like Bond with a different woman. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, you know, it, so, so it, it did kind of um, calcify that, you know, kind of buddy comedy on a lot of different levels. Yeah, And, yeah. and a lot of different views into that. Mm-hmm. Lots of teams that we just talked about making uh-huh. this race. But there's also an individual that really stands out in this movie. Granted... It's a second personality. Oh, one yeah. not Captain Chaos. <laughs> what the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> Captain Chaos. And, and Don DeLuise has this uh, second personality of a superhero that he changes into. And the best part is that he has no control over when Captain Chaos no. shows up. And 
you know, he, he's a good guy. I mean, Don DeLuise is a, is a good character to begin with, but, you know, Captain Chaos, but you can tell whenever Captain Chaos gets brought up, Burt Reynolds, you know, his, his character's name is J.J. McClure in the movie. J.J. gets, like, really nervous about what... This is almost... He's not coming back again, right? He's not coming back. And they always heard him as he, like he's a third person. Right. And, you know, they made two sequels to this movie, but I wish there would have been a Captain Chaos prequel. (laughs) So I could have seen... I mean, it had to have been better than, like, you know, the Star Wars prequels. Because I want to know what Captain Chaos did. When Captain Chaos met Jar Jar Binks. (laughs) Because, you know, apparently it was really, really bad. And Captain Chaos, you know, he'll play out throughout this whole movie... Uh, but, you know, we talked about them kidnapping Farrah Fawcett. Yeah. And so now they have Farrah Fawcett. They got the crazy doctor. They're in their ambulance. And everybody's racing across. And I think, you know, the first kind of major stop that you see is they're going through St. Louis. So they cover, like, a lot of ground in, like, right. 30 <laughs> seconds. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they get in Jersey to St. Louis and, like, then to Missouri in, like, 30 seconds. And, and the, fun, the, the cool thing, though, and this is some of the stuff that I, I specifically remember from, from when I watched this as a kid – was all the stuff, and granted, most of it was in uh, Jackie Chan and his riding buddy's car, but the, just the technology. Now, Jamie Farr, he was the sheik. Yes. He had, a, he had a phone, car phone. Right, right. And I think car phones might have been around. Right. Early 80s. I mean, very rare, but right. potentially were around. But within the Japanese people's car, they had a radar detector. They had a VHS movie player. Yeah, because Jackie Chan starts watching porn. <laughs> right, yeah. It almost wrecks the car. Right. Um, they have GPS. You know, they have all these things that really, you know, I don't think radar detectors might have been starting to come out. But uh, movie players in the car, no, not yeah. yet. Um, GPS is definitely not yet. And so it's almost like, uh, you know, people look at the old science fiction movies, you know, like or, or, or books like a Fahrenheit 451 and say, oh, this was like, you know, about TV and visuals. So was, is there like a deeper, like um, futuristic prediction right. It's coming from Cannonball Run? I mean, is this a movie that, you know, 100 years from now, people are going to look back and say it was oh, prophetic? Yes. <laughs> Cannonball yeah. Run was a prophetic movie when it comes to high end car technology. I don't know, maybe. Yeah, that was an amazing uh, car situation that they had going on there. Watching it now, it's it's kind of comical, you know, the way the technology looks. And I mean, it's kind of like watching Star Wars for the first time and you see the, all these supposedly scientific computers things and they're all just, you know, like light up buttons and stuff like right. that. But uh, They're like in like DOS resolution. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but going back to Captain Chaos for just a minute, there's it, it, that was a kind of a, a, a comical character and s- somehow... Um, of all the people in this movie, Dom DeLuise becomes the biggest badass when they end up at a biker bar late in the, in the film. You know, oh yeah, and, and Peter Fonda's got a cameo in that, like referencing back to Easy Rider. Yeah, and 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 Dom as Captain Chaos just manhandles this whole group of rogue bikers. Well, before before we get to that scene, because that's probably my other favorite scene in this movie is uh, so so Foyt, you know, the the right, antagonist right. that's trying yeah. to stop this race. Somehow he convinces the cops out in Nebraska or I'm in the Colorado, somewhere out in the middle of nowhere to create a roadblock. Which number one, okay. But then number two, that all these racers just happen to be yeah, on yeah, right. the same road. Right, right. So they create this roadblock. And this is my favorite part of the roadblock. So so two things. One thing is Terry Bradshaw is drinking a beer. It has a beer in his hand when he's at the roadblock talking to the yes, cop. Yes, And that's not what he gets in trouble for. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, and then, and I and I specifically remember this from when I saw it as a, as a kid, is Roger Moore's plate switching. 
Yes, I thought yes, that was the coolest yes. thing. It was awesome. Oh, when I was a kid, I was like, "That's so cool." Because you know, I mean, it, it, we think about it. You're, you know, I was what eight years old, something like that, when this movie came out, and so probably I didn't see it in a theater. No, no, no. So, so we were 10, 11, yeah. 12, something but like that. But to see cell phones and cars and you know mobile phones—I don't even know what they were called—and you know all the technology, and then the flipping plates, and you know Farrah Fawcett, right, you know, right, right, and, and Burt Reynolds was cool. Uh, you know, it was it was if this was a great movie. If if if, if you have a ten to thirteen year old son, they probably won't know who any of these people are. But it might still they might still enjoy watching it, and you know they're talking about doing a remake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, um, and and I think it could be a fun fun movie with the right cast. I, I totally agree. And you know, another one of those adolescent young boy young adolescent boy moments is uh, late in the film. When Farah is talking to Dom DeLuise and then they're kind of talking about Captain Chaos and she's sort of encouraging him to let him come out and they're having this sort of tender moment in the front of the uh, ambulance and somehow they're talking about her and she says, oh yeah, my clothes always match. And he says, even your underwear implies that. And she says, oh, I don't wear any. That's <laughs> yeah. the first time in my life I ever heard a woman say, I don't wear underwear and it rocked my world. I'm just telling you. Well, I'm pretty sure the Lamborghini Girls was some of the first cleavage I ever saw. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, they, and it's funny because they would get pulled over and doing you know 120 miles an hour, and it'd be a guy cop, and and he'd always let them off the hook, and then they they finally get busted there in like El Paso or something yeah, like that, and, and, and then it's a girl cop, and they finally get in trouble. The first guy cop that pulls him over, by the way, is uh, Burt Reynolds' stunt double. I don't know if you noticed the oh, really? resemblance, but he he's uh, Burt Reynolds' stunt double in the film. You know, it's it's just full of these just little anecdotal, funny little moments that last thirty seconds, and then moves on to the next stupid little funny little moment. I mean, Roger Moore, he's in a, he's, of course he's driving an Aston Martin. Yeah, yeah. And at one point, he's making martinis in his car while yes. doing eight miles an hour yes. with a different girl. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and I think she's getting ready to light a cigarette, and like uh, he said, no, don't hit that button. <laughs> yeah, that's the eject button. Yeah. Yeah, uh, because well, his car's totally tricked out. Well, yeah, and then he's got a police car following at one point, and then he hits the oil slick, <laughs> right. and, and, and and then the car just spins in some insane out of control <laughs> business and yeah. wrecks and and yeah, yeah, that's funny. So you were talking earlier about the uh, bar scene. So so they're they're getting close, and that, this is how little of the movie's focused on the race that we're already like in California. I right, think, or we're right. getting close, Nevada, somewhere like that. Yeah, somewhere out in the, the southwest. Right, desert and, and and there's, I think there's like a accident or a wreck, but something that's completely shut down everybody. Because once again, they're all taking the same path. And so all they're, they're all just kind of hanging out, like outside this biker bar, just, you know, no big deal, waiting for the wreck to clear. Everybody's kind of tense because, you know, obviously the race is tied up now mm-hmm. because everybody's at the same place. And, and as you mentioned, here comes this big old biker gang, you know, led by Peter Fonda, and he's totally got the Easy Rider jacket yep. and Easy Rider shades mm-hmm. on. And they go to the rich guy we were talking about earlier that jumped out of the airplane. Yeah, Burkambi. Yeah, yeah. Burkambi. And start picking on him. And Because you know, he's on a motorcycle. And, yeah. yeah. And, and then... And this big like rumble ensues, and this is when we get to see Captain Chaos at his at his finest. Also, quickly back to Burt Convy on the motorcycle. What the hell was with the guy riding with him with the wig and dressed like a lady? Still what haven't figured that, that one out. What, why still was that even there? That one out. Yeah, yeah, still haven't figured that one out. There, there's a couple like that. You know, you got Joe Klecko and the the guy that. Um, I'm not even sure who that guy is. Yeah, no, I'm not sure about that. Yeah, you know, there, the, the, there's other racers that they kind of mix in that. 
you know, maybe just to fill 30 seconds uh-huh. or a minute worth of, worth of time. But um, the big fight, you know, and everybody, like, you know, for some reason, all these racers are all of a sudden, like, you know, can, you know, and granted, they do have Jackie Chan. Right. And you do have a really good Jackie Chan, I don't know, martial arts scene, I guess. For, yeah, it was this, this throw in late. Yeah, yeah, it was late in that where, you know, you're watching big fat Dom DeLuise knock off all these biker guys and Burt Reynolds slugging around a couple and... And Dean Martin's in the fray, and then all of a sudden, finally, we get Jackie Chan shaking on like six guys and doing his his handstand kicks over his head and all that stuff. Which yeah, but awesome. then, but then but then and I and I actually remember this too from when I watched his kid. But then when he does that like kind of high leg yeah. spread kick and his pants split, yeah, 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 it's like oh, you still got to kind of throw a gag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just can't watch Jackie Chan, you know, kick butt for like five minutes. We gotta we gotta throw a gag in there too. And I, and I, so all of a sudden the, the the road clears back up and. You know, I'm, I'm still kind of shocked that this, uh, you know, biker gang led by Peter Fonda just got beat up by, you know, a bunch of, you know, drunk racers. <laughs> a bunch of, been drinking for like two days, three yeah. days straight with no sleep either. Right, right. You know, but they're able to handle it all. And then now we're kind of on that kind of final course mm-hmm. to, to the to the finish line. So JJ and Victor, so Bert and Dom DeLuise, they're, they're falling behind. The, the ambulance has been having some mechanical issues and all the other cars are kind of getting ahead of them. And... And now, J.J., after all this, you know, hating Captain Chaos for the whole movie, he's like, we need Captain Chaos He's now. our only hope now. Yeah, he's our only hope now. And, and Dom DeLuise is like, I just can't bring him out of nowhere. You know, it's like he comes when he wants to come. And and that might potentially be the most, like, uh, dramatic scene in the whole movie. Probably so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which, is, which is not a lot of drama in this movie. <laughs> so J.J.'s wishing for Captain Chaos to come back, and all of a sudden he does. So Captain Chaos, and, and and it's a weird scene because it's like you don't even really see him change into his Captain Chaos outfit. No, he, it's he just, just like kind of a like, quick cut, and he's it's like there. a cut. Yeah. yeah, it's like they cut the film and brought it back, and now he's back. And of course, you know, now the ambulance is racing, beating everybody, catching up. They feel like that they're going to win the race, and then there just happens to be a big pile up right at the end. Everybody's um, got to get out of their car and run to the finish line. Yes, yes. And as they're running to the finish line, you got all the group of all these people that. You've seen, and this is where I. This is where it hits me. If you go back to New Jersey when the race started, I know where you're going here, and I'm totally with you. All right, you take it then. This is where. So you have a punch card, right? right? You've right. got a punch card to punch in, and you're going to punch out at the end. But they're all sprinting, right? And, and so uh, they they get they get there, and Captain Chaos is in the lead. He's going to get well, there. Well, because JJ they, tackles like twenty yes, people at once. Yes, he like yes. jumps on everybody, and everybody falls. Right, down. right, and, and pans off the car. Chaos is running. And then, then there's this lady who says, you've got to save my baby. My baby's in the water. And he has this moment of conflict where it's, do I go and finish the race? Do I save this woman's baby? And he's Captain Chaos. There's only one thing he can do. So he jumps over this hedgerow and into the ocean, and he saves the woman's baby, which happens to be a chihuahua or some other dog. And in the meantime, the ladies run on up, present their ticket, and win. Right. Now, the problem is everybody had a timestamp. Right. And so just getting there first doesn't necessarily net you the win. Is it surprising that we're upset about the accuracy in this movie? <laughs> because, no, but still, <laughs> you know, I, you know, this, this isn't exactly like you know a, a World War II epic. This isn't Saving Private Ryan, <laughs> right? 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 <laughs> it's like I mean, you know, there's probably not a, a you know expected accuracy across the board in, in Cannonball Run. But yeah, you're exactly right. And then JJ's all upset about it, and he runs up to Victor, and he rips off his mask, and he's like, "No more Captain Chaos." And then this is this is great. <laughs> this is great. Victor looks up to him and you know, the Dom DeLuise character. He's like, I don't care. 
I've always wanted to be Captain USA. And he like changes his outfit. And then it's just like that end of the movie laugh where everybody's just like, okay, this, All right. this has been a stupid movie. We know it. Hope you had fun. And everybody laughs. Yeah, we got to get, we got checks to cash and cocktails to drink. And, and then you get like the great, like, oh, then you get like that kind of ending scene with Roger Moore and the, the antagonist uh-huh. where like, uh, and once again, that even ends with Roger Moore spoofing himself because, um, Something happens where the antagonist wants to light a cigarette or something, and Roger Moore's like, "I'll oh, go into my car and hit that button," thinking that that would launch him. But Roger, it doesn't work. So then Roger Moore goes into the car, hits the button, and Roger Moore's actually the one that's launched into the into the mm-hmm. ocean. And then you get some like helicopter painting away scene, and they're all just having a big party. Right, right. I, right. I, it's just fun. It is. It's totally fun. Totally fun. Well, and then you get the bloopers too. Yeah, yeah, you get you get the outtakes. Now, I will I will admit this before we before we kind of wrap into some other uh, analysis. As a child, I remember the outtakes being a lot funnier than they Me were. Me too. I, I could not wait to get to the outtakes watching this, and they weren't that good. It was, <laughs> they did, yeah. It's it's like when you you know back in the day when you would the early days of DVDs and they would have deleted scenes. Yeah. There's a reason they're deleted scenes. Right. There's right. no reason to watch them. Right. Yeah. So anyway, what were you gonna say? Well, so. Um, yeah, so this is the part of the podcast where normally we talk about how does this movie stack up with the other movies of the year? Were there any best actor candidates? Was, was this a nope. best picture opportunity? <laughs> nope. Like, what, what do we have? Nope. <laughs> nope. Not I, didn't, I didn't even look to see what won best picture. It might have been Kramer versus Kramer. I have no idea. I know this was the sixth highest grossing film in the United States and Canada in 1981. So that was enough for them to say, let's make another one. We can make some more cash, boys. Oh, yeah. And uh, so... But but as far as like high art, it is not. <laughs> it is not. It is not. This this is a you know Saturday afternoon raining outside. Yeah. Maybe you know a little tired from the night before. Oh, let's 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 just kind of throw this in and and see if it keeps me awake. Yeah. And yeah. I can't promise you that it will. <laughs> nope. <laughs> but nope. it, it might. And then you might go. That was actually rather enjoyable. Yes. So as I was doing some prep work for this, I went back and I found um, the. Uh, Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert a review of this movie when Excellent. it came out. So they show one clip of it, and it's one of the biker scenes where they're fighting, and Bert and um, the guys are fighting. And so they cut back, and uh, Roger Ebert's quote was, What a consummate mess. <laughs> and they both rail about how bad the movie is, and then they go and spend the next 20 minutes showing clips and talking about Superman 2, which was an awesome movie. Great but, movie. Yeah, but anyway... <laughs> Well, you know, you know, I mean, you think about you know Burt Reynolds. Where obviously, you know, we talked earlier. He was you know one of the top actors in the seventies, and maybe that's by you know you know box office gross. You know, obviously, it's not by awards or anything like that. But he was fun. You yeah, because Longest Yard was fun. You know, I mean, obviously, my favorite. What, what, what's your favorite Burt Reynolds movie? I'll give you mine. Best Little Whorehouse in Texas is pretty good. Um, I like Hooper a lot too. Yeah. I mean, Deliverance, I probably, and I know that's yeah. really early on and, and that's kind of out of his wheelhouse of that kind of late seventies, yeah, early eighties yeah. fun. But I, I, I just thought that that, you know, with him and the boy. And that's his it, best it, acting role. Right. Right. Cause it's, it's his first, it's drama and it's creepy and it's, you know, um, when I, when, when I first learned about Burt Reynolds, it was watching Smokey and the Bandit, Hooper, all these right, movies. And, and then later on, I found out he was in Deliverance, and I was like, what? Not well, real Burt Reynolds. He was, like, he was a real actor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that was before I was born. It was a year before I was born. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, but yeah, and then he did all the, you know, because he did a lot of movies with this guy, the, the director. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I mean, he, he's, he was in 
145 feature films between 1961 and 2018. Oh, my favorite Burt Reynolds role I, I, is... Movie uh, is, uh, Nights? Yeah, Jack Horner, Movie yeah, Nights. Yeah, That's well, my favorite he, one. He, yeah, and he won... He, I believe he won an Oscar for that, didn't he? I, uh, he was nominated. I don't think he won. I think he was Oh, yeah, he's nom- yeah, you're correct. He's nominated for an Oscar and a Golden Globe. Now, he did win a Golden Globe for Evening Shade. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the, the sitcom. The TV, uh, yeah. the TV show. Yeah. Um, you know, it... it Oh, he also had a, he also did some voice acting in a Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Oh, yeah, nice. Yeah. Which rumors are that they're gonna the next one, which won't be out, I think, until two thousand and twenty-two. Grand Theft Auto Six is actually going back to Miami. Oh, nice. Yeah, and we'll have, actually have a female protagonist. Okay. And they'll get, do a little stuff down in South America too. So anyway, just a little video game added into our little movie podcast. Fun. You know, and Burt Reynolds. I don't know if you know this. Um, he was the original choice. And turned down the role that Richard Gere had in Pretty Woman. So he had opportunities later too that that he he said he didn't feel like that was the right role for him. But I would take his career ten times out of ten. There's probably about twenty, you know. And there's better actors that have won more awards that I would still take. There's probably one of the of that of of his contemporaries. Probably the only actor. That I think might have had more fun than him was Jack Nicholson, like off screen, probably, probably because right. Jack Nicholson can do whatever he wants. Yeah, I, right, that's yeah, right. Yeah, um, and he still won the, all the awards. All the awards, great uh, actor. Yeah. Everybody loves him, and yeah, right, did right. whatever he wanted. You know, um, I, I heard um, shortly after Burt Reynolds passed away, I was listening to uh, the Dan Lebitard show, and they played a um, a clip from a, a previous interview with him, and they had him on occasionally because he's. Dan's out of Miami, and uh, Burt Reynolds being a Florida guy, and he was old. I mean, he was he was in his eighties. You know, he was he yeah, sounded a lot frail. older than you think. Yeah, he yeah. sounded frail in this interview. But the first thing Lebetard asks him is, "So you were the biggest star in the world. You were the number one movie guy. All the girls wanted you. Like, what was it like?" And Burt just sat there for a minute, and then he said in an old man frail voice, "Well." I got laid a lot. <laughs> Bam! Uh, well, you know, hey, that's you know, he's Burt Reynolds. I'm, right. I'm Burt Reynolds. I'm Burt Reynolds. Yeah. Um, so, so I have to ask this this question, you know, because we we've done some other pretty serious movies with Dracula and Cape Fear, and we we asked this movie uh, asked this question last time. It's a pretty serious question, but um, who do you think would win a fight between Captain Chaos and Max Katie? <laughs> Max Katie is not losing. He's still undefeated. Max Katie's still undefeated. All right. Max Katie's 2-0. 3-0 if you count Nick Nolte. Yeah, that's right. That's All right. right. All right. Oh, well, you know, we just, we'll, we'll, one day we might stumble across someone <laughs> that can beat him. But, <laughs> but we have established it will not be Captain Chaos. No, no, no. Not Captain Chaos. So, <laughs> go ahead. No, what do you got next? Well, I was going to say, so, if, you know, because like, there are, you know, talk about remaking this movie. And I don't want to get into, like, you know, who would be Sammy Davis and all that kind of stuff. That would be kind of funny to be who's that kind of older team that you would put in there. But who who are some people that would be, you know, J.J. and Victor? Yeah, right, right. That's a great question. And I have to admit that, you know, I, I don't – I watch movies now, and I, I don't know who the fun guy younger actors are, right? I mean, like – Well, they weren't it? young it, when they made this movie. No, I guess that's right. I guess they were they were a little bit old. I got my Victor solid gold. Who you got? Jack Black. 
Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because he can do Captain Chaos. Yeah, that's Jack right. Jack Black can do Captain Chaos. That's right, that's right. Maybe maybe uh, Dwayne Johnson in some some capacity. He's got to be... I, I would love to see Dwayne Johnson spoofing himself as like some... Oh, I think or, you bring Dwayne Johnson and Samuel Jackson back as a team, kind of like yeah. a reboot from the other guys. Yeah, were, that'd so be good. such good yeah, chemistry yeah, that'd in, be in really that movie. Good. Um, and, you know, and I for the, the, the Burt Reynolds character is a little tougher because it's like, who's that kind of... You know, because today's Hollywood, you don't you don't have that like super macho kind of funny, quirky ladies man, you know, ladies but, man yeah. but still funny. It's like all the like you know, kind of like lady, you know, all the Ryans that are out there. Yeah, and all yeah, that. yeah. They, they yeah right, right. Chris Pratt probably yeah, not. Yeah, Chris Pine. Yeah, the Chris's and the Ryans. None of them can yeah, do it. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I thought it, maybe maybe like um, uh, Luke Wilson. Yeah. Yeah, that'd uh, be yeah, good. You know, or even his brother. I, I mean, the, the answer is George Clooney ten years ago. Yeah, that's the answer. But you can't do that today. No, no, and I, you can't. And it's it, and you and you have to get somebody that can pull the stash off. Because I don't think it would be the same without the stash. No. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, um, and uh, but you know, it, it'd be interesting to see if they actually make that movie and, and how they cast it. Because I know I said I didn't want to like talk about who would be like some of the other racing teams, but there are so many kind of like iconic, cause you could kind of have like a, a Brad Pitt and Clooney as one of the yeah, racers. Yeah. It'd be great. Right? You know, you could have like the Emmas as one of the racers. You yeah. Know, you could have Emma yeah. Watson, Emma Stone as like, the right, right. Girls. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, you can make a lot of fun with this movie and get like a lot of people involved in it. Uh-huh. And, and I think it would kill at the box office. So it's not going to win anybody any awards, no. but the, I, I think you could make it a fun movie again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I, I, I didn't go back and watch Cannonball Run 2. Nope, not yet anyway. Not yet. And Cannonball Run 3, because they made 3, right? Yeah, there's some, yeah, I can't remember. What they, it, yes, it was Cannonball Run 3 with some subtitle. But I it think. wasn't, was Burt Reynolds in 3? I, I don't think so. Yeah, I think he, he was just in did 2, two. he dropped out after 2. Um, I, you know, I don't think the I don't think it needs a full re- reboot, but it is 2018 Hollywood, so if I had to put my money on it, it would probably it's get It's going to happen. It's yeah. going to get rebooted. Yeah. Okay, so another thing that we have talked about with our other films that we haven't hit on yet here is the music. And this one had that sweet flugelhorn of Chuck Mangione just wailing away through. Oh, yeah, it was like watching a Duke's Hazard Duke's Hazard episode. Yeah. I mean, it was just very like kind of Well, and and Chuck Mangione is, you know, this jazz flugelhorn player and somehow became super popular in the 70s. Because he had that one hit, feel so good. I don't know if you, yeah. know, you know what I'm talking about there. Yeah. But uh, and I was thinking about that. Like, when was the like he was a pop star instrumentalist, and like I can't think of anybody else since him except for maybe Kenny G for whom that's happened. Like you'd have like theme songs from from movies hit like Chariots of Fire was a hit, and right. and the theme from Miami Vice was a hit, and Axel F was a hit. But right. Chuck Mangione was a. Uh, well, it was a big it, deal. Well, it was more than just kind of a one-hit wonder, in, yeah, in, yeah, in, in the instrumental genre. Uh, but uh, the the soundtrack was well. We we talked about um, I think it was on Cape Fear and, and Scorsese, you know, using a really bad score when he was better at having a soundtrack to, back, yeah, to, yeah, to, yeah, to yeah. support his movie with music. And this was one of those movies that you know that it it. it that you wanted to keep it at this kind of fast pace. It's right, kind of like right. a gallop. I felt like I was riding a horse, you yeah, know? And yeah, it's yeah. like, I couldn't get my horse right. to slow down. Slow down, horse, slow down. And it, and it wouldn't because it was just this, every time that the action in the movie would kind of die down a little bit, you'd have the music kind of pick you back up mm-hmm. again, which was a trademark of late 70s, early of 80s course, movies. Of course, of uh, course. But it, 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 it's also, 
just kind of fun. It doesn't overwhelm. Um, you know, we also talk a lot about cinematography, and I don't know really what. There's I got nothing. I got nothing. Here. I mean, you know, we talked about some car stunts earlier. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I think this was more stunt versus cinematography. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But uh, I mean, the production quality was fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, there wasn't any like huge gaffes. You know, uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I didn't screw it up like. You know, uh, you know, drive through the desert and then drive through St. Louis. Like they got that far, right, right? Yeah, at least they got the geography right. So, where would you recommend this movie? Because I have a very interesting opinion about my recommendation for this movie. You mean as far as to whom or to whom? Not yet to to myself, but to whom to to the audience. Yeah. Uh, so again, I think like you you hit on um, boys, particularly 12, 10, 12, 14 year old boys. Uh, obviously middle-aged folks like us for some nostalgia value because you've got all these actors that we know and, and the movie has that. Um, I would not recommend it for date night. Do not do this. No, not a good date night movie. Where, where would you put it? Um, I Once again, I would recommend it for people of our genre. Or excuse me, I, I would recommend it for people of our age group, especially if you saw it before mm-hmm. uh, and some of the actors resonate with you because it will be fun to watch. I don't know, though, if I would recommend it for somebody that's, you know, in their 20s or that's a teenager right now. They're not going to know who any of these people are. And it'd be like somebody trying to force me to watch, you know, um, an old Jimmy Stewart movie, which there's some good ones. Don't get me wrong. There's some good Jimmy Stewart. But it's like I don't know who all the other characters are that are are in this movie. So if the names make sense to you, I would recommend seeing it again. If the names don't. Yeah, there's probably other things you can do with your time. Yeah. So, and one of the questions we always ask at the end is, when would you watch it again? How long until you watch it again? Oh, I could watch it tomorrow. <laughs> I could watch it again tomorrow. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Except I'm not going to spend all 90 minutes. Like, I'll put it on. Every, I, I watched it and I thought, this is horrible. Like, this is awful. And then the next thing, like, I kind of want to watch that again. Like, right. now. And so, I would I would watch it. I, it would. It's one of those, if I catch it on TV, I'm going to watch it until I've got to get out the door and go to work or whatever. Um, I'm not going to make an appointment for it, but I'm glad I bought the DVD, the Blu-ray, because I'll watch it again at some point in the next year, probably. Well, and that's the, that's the good thing about this podcast is, you know, some of the movies like Dracula, I already owned, uh, Cape Fear, we had to buy. Yeah. We had to buy Cannonball Run, and I'm looking forward to, like, passing Cannonball Run back and forth <laughs> yes. a few times over the next <laughs> yeah, five or ten that's, years. That's right. And, and, and we might sneak Cannonball Run 2 in there at some that's point. entirely possible. Um, because it, 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 if, if you're just... Wanting to relax and just maybe it's one of those to where, like I mentioned earlier, this is one of those Saturday afternoon, Sunday afternoon movies when college football's off and NFL's off. And you're kind of tired and you want to take a nap, throw it in. Worst thing you do is fall asleep. You're not going to miss much. No. But you might stay awake and you might be like, okay, that was rather enjoyable. <laughs> That's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. <laughs> because Burt Reynolds flying a plane while drinking a Bud Heavy. But who doesn't love that? <laughs> exactly. So it's, 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 you know, it, it, it's not for everybody. It's not for, it's not a 24-7, always going to be great movie, not a date night movie. You'll probably be offended by parts of it, so you might need to come in with your thick skin suit on. Uh, but it does strike a chord for that adolescent boy in all of us, I think. Like that that just sort of immature. Race cars yeah. and, you know, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's fun. It's just a, it's, it, you know, it's, it's, it's not an Academy Award winner. It's just fun. It's just fun. So, final grades. Final grades. 
I'm gonna be I'm gonna be harder on it on my grade than I am on my recommendation. I agree. I, uh, I mean, I'm 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 struggling over whether I give it a B minus or a C plus. Yeah, I, I think it's a C. I think, I it's, think a it's a C. C. I yeah. think it's a solid C. Yeah. It's entertaining. Yeah, it's it'll, not it'll, high it'll, art. It'll get you. It'll get you a high school diploma. That's exactly. Right. <laughs> but, it might, but it might not get you a college degree. <laughs> right, 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 right. Uh, MIT is not coming knocking on your door. <laughs> exactly. Um But it, yeah, it's it's just it it's entertaining it's fun it's not high art uh to the answer the question that we do is this movie still good there are those film snobs who would say this movie was never good to start with right yeah it was never good to start with maybe on the next podcast uh show that we do after this one's uh done we do is this movie still fun yeah that's right and this would get an a plus for that 100 percent fun (laughs) i'm not sure that it's still good but this movie is 100 percent fun absolutely absolutely All right. You got anything else? No, I'm good. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, Check us out, and uh, we will see you soon. This has been a No Land in Sight podcast production. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved.